<clears throat> so we spent the first session considering just really quickly Psalm 23, this treasured timeless psalm about the Good Shepherd. And I just keep thinking, even as we're singing these songs, just that image of that sheep, the video that we saw with the sheep without a shepherd and how we are so the opposite of that, right? We are so cared for. We are so unburdened. And this is our reality, whether we feel it or not, because there are times when we won't feel it, but that doesn't deny that this is our reality. If you are in Christ, you have been unburdened. You have been rescued. You have been blood-bought. You are in the presence of the Good Shepherd, and He is with you everywhere, always, at any time. So we spent the morning considering that. This session is sort of more the application side. It's the application side of, well, what do you do? Like, you know, as you study the Word, um, of course we want to apply it. I think there's a specific way that David models for us how we can apply the psalm that we studied this morning. And in fact, when you read the psalm, you realize this is actually a particular application. His writing of Psalm 23 is a particular application that comes from the spiritual discipline of meditating. So meditation, that's sort of the, the main idea for this session. But what we're going to do is we're going to try to use Psalm 23, which we spent the morning, you know, considering from God's word, we're going to try to apply here in this session or talk about how we can apply meditating. And I think meditating on God's word is sort of this lost art or lost discipline, spiritual discipline. Um, and when I say meditating, what I mean by that in shorthand is thinking God's thoughts after him. So thinking God's thoughts after him. So it's not just meditating like our Buddhist friends would meditate or, you know, Hindu friends would meditate. It is a very particular for us. It is thinking God's thoughts after him. So it's an act of worship. <clears throat> it's an act of enjoyment and spiritual disciplines. I'm going to say this because I know a lot of us are, uh, well, I mean, if, if one of the titles was recovering, what was it? Recovering perfectionist? Is that what it was? Um, we can easily fall into this, um, trap of believing that spiritual disciplines, like all these things that are actually God's grace to us. So like his word, the ability to call on him in prayer, meditating on his word, discipling in the church, those things, sometimes like in the midst of following Jesus, we sort of get lost in the busyness and we start to see those things as drudgery. Like, ah, oh, it's one more thing God is burdening me with to do. But I, I want to say at the outset, spiritual disciplines are meant not to make us precious to God, but they are meant to make God precious to us. That is the role of spiritual disciplines in this life. Because there is only one who can make you and I precious to God, and it's not us, right? It's not us. So we lean on that one, that Jesus Christ, the God-man who came and gave up his life so that sinful, undeserving, rebellious human beings could be united to God in a perfect relationship again. And so that, that truth, these truths that are in God's word, 
these spiritual disciplines that he has given us, the armor we've been given to wear, they are meant not to burden us, not to make us precious to God, because only Jesus can do that. You cannot do that. But just, I want in the back of your mind to remember, spiritual disciplines are there to make God precious to you. And it sounds weird that we need, we, we have to be reminded of that. But if you think about the scriptures, so much of it is reminders, is it not? Like so many of the, the passages of scripture, sorry, are always telling God's people, remember, remember, remember what he did for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember what he did for David. Remember how, what he did for the, at the temple. So a lot of it is us remembering. And so that is why um, spiritual or the discipline of meditating is, I think, such a, a, a not as talked about discipline that is so good for our souls and actually helps us find God more precious. So really, it's meant to be freeing and unburdening for the Christian. Sort of like when you think of that sheep that we saw and how he's got like 80 pounds of fleece and they take the burden off of him you know, Jesus took the ultimate burdens off of us. And so I think when we delight in him by meditating in some specific ways, especially thinking God's thoughts after him, it's that whole unburdening again, right? It's going back to the source of who has ultimately unburdened us um, for eternity. So meditation, it's an opportunity to See and savor how good and precious our Savior is. <clears throat> and that's what this whole entire psalm is about, is it not? Like when you read Psalm 23, we are seeing the byproduct of David's meditating. He has meditated on how God is a good shepherd. And we get to eavesdrop in on his meditations. Meditating is sort of that difference between like getting a meal at a fast food restaurant Versus like you go to a five-star restaurant and you sit down for hours and you enjoy every every course, right? I'm not saying like fast food isn't, there's some really good fast food out there. But the difference when it comes to meditating um, is that sort of, <clears throat> it's a process of just slowly chewing, chewing on the food you've been given, meditating on it, savoring it, letting your soul take the nutrients and the nourishment out of it. So, spiritual disciplines are meant to lift us to the grandest and the most beautiful views of God. They're not meant to burden or weigh us down. And I really want to say that because I think so much of my Christian life has been thinking of spiritual disciplines as a burden, and and it's not, right? First John tells us that obeying God's commands um, is not burdensome because we love him. Now, remember that David was a shepherd himself, and he came from a long line of Middle Eastern shepherds. So our family lived in the Middle East, and while we didn't see sheep in the desert, we did. We would sometimes go to the desert, and we would see camel shepherds, camel herders, and um, <clears throat> they're taking these camels, who are like two or three times their size, and they would be taking these long lines of them through the the desert, which is not easy because it wasn't like Joshua Tree. There's like, it's not flat. It's all these dunes, sand. It's it's pretty treacherous and arduous work. And you would see these camel herders in the desert 
you know, dressed appropriately, and they would be sometimes walking in front of the camels, leading the line. Sometimes they'd be on the side or on top of the camel even, um, and sometimes they would be at the back, making sure every single one of them made it to where they were headed. Well, this whole psalm of Psalm 23 is a meditation on a subject that David knew really well. What he put down onto paper is the byproduct of hours and hours of just connecting what it was he did during the day to what it was God was doing eternally, right? He was connecting his every day to a greater spiritual reality. Meditating is taking those things that we've learned about God, whether it's your own time in the Word with Him, or the sermon that you heard that week, or the book you're reading with another sister, the work that you're doing. It's taking all of that and thinking about them with God, thinking about them through His words. And David is an example of what it looks like to meditate really well. So meditating is sort of this, it's like the flip of your attention. It's changing your vantage point, like taking your hiking up. And the purpose of hiking is not just so that you go nowhere, but so that you would get the best view from a mountaintop or the best view, I don't know, of a valley or the ocean. Meditating is that that work of getting to the best vantage point, digesting that food, so that you get all the nourishment and nutrients that you can out of it, and consciously deciding to think about all of your life through God's perspective. That's the important part. A lot of us are really good at thinking about our lives, thinking about us, thinking about the people in front of us. But not. sometimes we're not as trained in the work of thinking about all of life through God's perspective. We, we don't talk about meditating a lot. In fact, I think it's something maybe we don't even expect of ourselves anymore. Our expectations for meditating can be pretty low as if, oh, it's like a nice optional thing you can do when you have the time. And especially when your hands are full. If you're a student, you got exams, if you're, your workload is just super intense. For mothers with children, your hands are really full. And I think sometimes we think the first thing to go can often be that spiritual discipline of meditating on God's word. But I would say that the child of God, the one who is part of his flock, delights, absolutely delights in thinking thoughts about God with God. Because that is when we enjoy his presence. That's That was what so many of the songs were about. I don't know if you grasp that, but so much of it is about actually enjoying the presence of God. <clears throat> Remember what the psalmist of Psalm 1 wrote, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And that word blessed is also linked to the word happy. So this is, this is, that is that, it's that idea I'm talking about. It makes God precious to us. It makes us happy to meditate on his teaching. And it gives God glory. Not only does it give us joy, more importantly, even in the quiet of our room, in the, in the stillness of our own thoughts, thinking those thoughts about the Lord, with the Lord, gives Him glory. And we won't form habits of meditating because it is a habit and it's something that, uh, often when you think about a habit, we think we just kind of fall into them. But you know, 
in order to have a habit, it's something you have to do every day, constantly. And I think when it comes to this discipline, we won't develop that habit of spiritually meditating on God's word unless we make a plan for it. So I, some ideas, I usually try to put up a verse or something, particularly in a place that I go to a lot, but where I tend to want to just be mindless. So putting up scriptures about beauty in the mirror, like the beauty of God, or where I do dishes, putting whatever it is I'm struggling with at that moment, with wrestling with the Lord over, putting a verse there for me to consider. I have a friend who would put hymns, um, cause they were struggling with doubt. They put hymns in their shower and like hang it up and I, they'd sing in the shower. Um, whatever it took in order for them to fix their eyes on Jesus, they did. And I think you can be really creative, um, with doing this, of building that habit of spiritual meditation. Um, I, another thing I do when I'm feeling sort of lost or prone to wander, I will text sisters in the church and just ask them to pray for me. And to be honest about, hey, I'm wrestling. I really feel like God's far away. I just need you to pray for me and like pray this thing. As you face the most pressing things in your life, whatever they may be today, know that meditating changes us as God helps us move from fear to comfort. Meditating moves us from fear to comfort, and it changes us ultimately. He doesn't change. We're the ones who change. And it's so good for us spiritually to make that switch of attention from, well, what do I think about this? To then, well, what does God say about this? What does God say about this? The other benefit of meditating on God's character in his words Okay, forget that. Never mind. We're going to do a little group exercise right now. So we're going to break up into groups again. And what Psalm 23 helpfully showed us, the before, the beside, the behind, we're going to take time right now just to break into partners or groups. And I want you to share some ways that God has gone before you, how God has been beside you or with you, and how God has come after you, followed you with his mercy and goodness. So it's just a time for us to practice together um, that act of we're going to meditate out loud together, share with each other, be honest. Um, yeah, share with each other about ways that God has gone before you, beside you, and behind you. So we'll take five minutes and do that. Okay, ladies. I heard some really Good conversations and even laughs. I like that. And I, I hope this exercise was helpful because I think what you're doing without maybe realizing that you're doing is that together you're meditating and the, the center of the questions is not so much about you. It's about God. We're focusing, we're meditating on how God, the good shepherd, has gone before us and is with us and follows behind us. And it's an exercise that I think just even doing something like this, like asking these, these, considering these three verbs, if you will, is helpful to consider together because it, it reminds us of who it is we're supposed to focus 
on when it comes to life. So meditating on Psalm 23 offers us the strength to face life because it reminds us of God's steadfast love throughout every season of our life. I mean, one of my favorite things, I'm being sarcastic, it's not one of my favorite things, is when one of my kids, and I I say no to them about something they're asking for, and then they go, this is like the worst day ever. You You don't love me. And I'm like, and we've had to teach them, like, when we use those words, like, never, or you always, you always do this, you never do this for me, I think we can easily do that with God, right? When we expected him to do something else, and he does not do it the way we would have wanted him to, it it becomes a you always, you never. And I think meditating on passages like this and applying it by asking yourself to focus on the ways that he has cared for you individually, but also for all of God's people throughout redemptive history is a phenomenal exercise. And that's why it's it's a practical application of, I think, one of the most repeated commands in all of scripture, which is, do not be afraid. Did you know that that's one of the most repeated commands in Scripture is do not be afraid? And often, God's response to why they shouldn't be afraid as his people is because he's with them. So his presence is a comfort to us. And meditating on him is a way that we do that hike and get that clear view of who he is. So I'm going to walk you just through, that was like a a wonderful way to do it, and I'm going to walk you through three questions you can ask yourself based on the text that we studied this morning. So first, ask yourself, how has God gone before me or led me? I wish that I could have heard all of your answers. Um, But the first thing I thought about was how God led me to Christ, how God's spotless lamb has freed me and my siblings, my spiritual siblings from the grip of sin and death, how he's reconciled us back to himself. I also remember how God has always provided what we have needed, what I have needed, and that despite even my mule-like resistance, um, he has even taken me to places that I resisted but have ultimately been the best places for me. And as we look up at the Good Shepherd's leading where he's taking us, our souls are rightly restored for his namesake, for his glory. So that's how has God gone before me. And you can get even more specific. There are specific ways that God has gone before you um, in the circumstances and the details of your life that I don't know and other sisters don't know. And I think these are things we not only need to reflect on for ourselves, these are things we need to share share with other sisters. Let me tell you this encouraging thing, how God has has been at work in my life this last week. Secondly, ask yourself, is God beside or with me? Is God beside or with me? Jesus promised that he would never leave or forsake those the Father gave him. The Holy Spirit is probably the clearest expression of how God is with us, right? The Holy Spirit was given to us as a down payment. So why do you make a down payment? You make it because you're trying to tell whoever you're buying something from, I'm good for this. I'm good for it. So when God left the Holy Spirit as our down payment, the promise was, you will be with me forever. 
That's the promise, right? You will dwell in my house forever. And the down payment that I'm going to make good on this is I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. What a comfort that he can be with us in the deepest sense, not just, you know, near us in a, in a tabernacle, but he dwells in us if we are in Christ. And we see his miraculous presence in our lives, right? If you just take the time to reflect on it, you can see these amazing superpowers that you have been given that are at work in your life. Things that you could not do before, like repenting, trusting, walking by faith, conquering sin, loving others, loving God, wanting to please him. These things, these superpowers, are superpowers because we could not do them when we did not know Jesus. But now that we do, the Holy Spirit uses these things in our lives to comfort us, to walk with us, to help us. He is our ever-present help in times of need. We have some real enemies, right? I was just thinking, I mean, Karen and I, it's too funny. God loves you guys so much. And I just kept thinking about this morning. I couldn't even turn on my computer. Um, Francis got sick and I knew she had her own things going on. And then I printed my talk and then I left half of it at home. And I was just thinking, okay, Lord, wow, like you so love them. And I, I think in the midst of, you know, inconveniences and things going wrong, it's so quick to be like, you never, you're never there for me. Like, why would you let this happen? But meditating is just that wonderful work of flipping it and saying, you know what? The Lord is with me, so I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be unhinged, um, and I don't need to worry. He takes care of his people. And you can even, med- I, I recommend memorizing scriptures as a way to help your meditation. So. I think a lot of us might be thinking meditating is something you do. You sit down, you carve out space, and you do it when there's no distractions. But I find myself, maybe at some point in seasons of my life, that's what it looked like. Journaling, so great. But there are seasons of life where I get it in when I'm driving to pick up my kids from class. Um, I, I'm thinking about God and what I heard this week when I washed dishes or when you're gardening, whatever it is, it's so important that we we find those places and pockets in our life to just think about God's words with him. We fear no evil because God is with us, even in the darkest valleys. He alone is our safety and security, but do we have the eyes to see it? Do we have the eyes to see it? That last question, ask yourself from time to time. These are great questions you can ask yourself Every day, as often as you can, how is God behind me? How is he ensuring my safe arrival home? Well, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Those who follow Jesus can have confidence in the fact that he calls us, he knows us, He gives us exactly what we need. He's given us eternal life, and he will ensure our protection until we get home. If it were up to us, we would be prone to wander, 
But because he is with us, we are now prone to stay. We can't save ourselves, but we have a great high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses and still saves us. We may feel tempted to run away at times, to doubt his goodness, but I love that we sang that song, Our Savior Holds Us Fast. Not the other way around. It is not our grip on him that saves us. It is his grip on us. Another way that God ensures our safety, making sure we get it all the way home, get all the way home with him, is by placing us in a flock. So we aren't lone sheep. When you know Jesus and you come to know the good shepherd, you also know you are now, you have been placed into his flock. You're not alone. You're not like that sheep with wool over his eyes out on a ledge in a forest, unable to see where he is. You have been gathered. That is what the church is. It is the gathered people of God, his treasured possession. And we've been gathered so that we can remind each other that we're all on the same path. We're all on the same journey home to the Lord, where good goodness and mercy will meet us follow us forever. That's the beauty of the local church. In the church, we have under-shepherds or pastors. I have two pastor friends who say they actually call themselves God's sheepdogs because there's only one good shepherd, and they're the sheepdogs. We have fellow sheep who encourage us to keep following Jesus in every circumstance. God's sheep are never alone, and they're never meant to be alone. And that is what discipling is. If you want a really shorthand way for understanding discipling in the local church, it is following Jesus together. Because we're not asking each other to follow each other, we're asking each other to follow Jesus together. That's discipling. And if you're prone to a lone ranger kind of Christianity, I plead with you to fight that urge. I think that there is a link between um, people who often feel not well spiritually. Now, this is not 100% of the time, but there is this link between your, your intake of fellowship with other, other sheep who belong to Christ. So fight that desire to be a lone ranger Christian. You need the rest, the other sheep in the flock. And sisters, keep reminding each other of who we follow because each of us need reminding. I need it all the time, every day, who I am following. And you can use questions like the one that we just went through to talk to each other about and think through God's character and his wondrous deeds. Earlier, I mentioned about not wanting to encourage reading Psalm 23 individualistically because it's really about the identity of all of God's people throughout history. And one thing that characterizes all of God's sheep is that we listen for the shepherd's voice. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they listen. My sheep know my voice, and they listen. Okay, I'm going to play a video right now. I don't know if you've seen this. It's another video about sheep. You're going to learn a lot about sheep today. But, yeah, it's really interesting. One more time. Oh, what? 
Like they, he doesn't need like a bell or anything. It's just the sheer sound of his voice leads the sheep to, the sheep hear his voice and they know and listen to the shepherd. And I think that's how we should think about the word of God. We listen. And as we listen and sit at the feet of God's word, we learn the voice of our shepherd and we do it together. And it's only as we listen to God's word that we will be able to discern if it's him speaking or someone else, right? You're not going to know the shepherd's voice unless you learn the shepherd's voice. I love this quote. One should study the Bible not to pass an exam, but to learn how to see everything. What God has given us, his words, in our hands, at our fingertips, is there so that we can learn how to see all of life. And all of life is about him. God's word is our highest vantage point. It's the scenic overlook by which we can drink in the beautiful, glorious, the glorious beauty of God's majesty and grace. So when it comes to God's word, sisters, be motivated by grace, not by guilt. Be motivated by grace, not by by guilt. I love how Jesus's words comfort our insecurities. They disturb our worldly comfort. They deal with our complacency. They destroy patterns of thought that tell us to stray from his path. And I rem- and just remember that meditating on the good shepherd's undeserving love for us, of his protection and his care, is a God-given way that we will be helped on the arduous trek home. We are protected on every side, before, beside, behind, and our burden is light because our good shepherd has lifted it and carried it for us. Like Jacob says in Genesis 48, 15, which is the first time God is actually called a shepherd, I pray that all of us would be able to say every day until the end of our lives, he is the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your voice. God, we thank you that you are the God who speaks and um, the cosmos was created. You are the God who speaks and dead hearts uh, come to life. And we thank you that you speak now and we hear you and we know your voice and we follow you.
but we need your help and we need your grace, Lord. And every day we pray we would rely on your presence um, and and the the sheep under your care around us um, in order to safely make it home. And I pray that we would you would grow us in our desire um, to encourage our fellow sisters and, and brothers in Christ, that we would be ones who encourage each other, hey, follow the Good Shepherd. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that all of this would bring you great glory as we rely on you and look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.